Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Good. Um, that clip actually had a point. Uh, it really is setting us up today to talk about something that's actually really heavy. It does it in a really, actually a light, really a light light you would. But we're talking about today in James chapter 2 verse 1. And we're going to have a great time today. My goal is to offend everybody. It's going to be a good morning, great times great memories. Um, well, let me ask you just, just a quick question as you're turning to James chapter 2 verse 1. Let me ask a question. What type of people matter to God? What type of people matter to God? What, what different kinds of people matter to God? What different races matter to God? Now, I know our tendency is to say one thing, but let's look at James chapter 3, a verse we looked at last week. And this is what it says. It says this, people, everybody say that word, people. People are created in the likeness of God. Now, if people are created by God and they're created in the likeness or the image of God, then the answer of that question, who matters to God, is... Everyone. That's right. We got it right. Now, we say everyone matters to God, but let me ask you a question. What types of people matter to you? What different kinds of people matter to you? What different races of people matter to you? You see, if the truth be told, all of us, we have a preference for hanging out with either one group of people and shunning another, or gravitating towards one set of people and gravitating away from another. All of us, if you, have a, if you ask the question, we would say, well, you know, I like being around people who have money. I like being around people who are affluent, who are rich, and I really don't like hanging out with the poor. Maybe that's not yours. Maybe yours is, you know, I like hanging out with educated people. People who uh, value academics. And I don't like hanging out with people who aren't smart or aren't educated. Some of you would say, well, you know, I don't like hanging out with old people. Old people are fuddy-duddies and they don't know anything. And the old people would say, well, I don't hang out with young people. Because they don't know nothing. They're just still wet behind the ears. For some, it may be a different race. A different stereotype, maybe something that your mom or, or your family told you growing up. What is it? Some of you it may just be you like hanging out with beautiful people. People who are too fat, people who are too thin or just are ordinary, you don't like hanging out with them, but you gravitate towards beautiful people. Some of you, it may be, you know what, I like hanging out with officers because I'm an officer. Or, you know what, officers, they don't know nothing. I want to hang out with enlisted folks. Some, it may be the wives who have that same attitude. Or the husbands. What type of people do you gravitate towards? Because all of us have a tendency to categorize or label people and draw conclusions about people based upon weight, money, race, rank, Fashion, the people who aren't like us, we have a tendency to draw a circle around us and we call us normal. 
And then the people who aren't like us, we draw a circle around them and we categorize them. Now, that happens all the time. Monday through Friday, it happens in work, happens on the job, happens in school. But you think in the church, that shouldn't happen. You know, what, the passage we're going to be looking at today in James chapter 2, verse 1, you need to know that it, did, it does happen in the church, and it did happen 2,000 years ago. Because people bumped up against this. And maybe you've not been to church in a long time. Maybe you've been bumped out of church because of somebody's view. They drew a conclusion about you. They made up their mind about something about you without knowing the entire facts. And they just kind of read you like the outside of a book cover. And they didn't actually read what was inside of you. And you felt shunned. But you're giving God and you're giving the church a second chance. I want to say you're in a safe place. But you also need to know that just the church that maybe you came from that was a little messed up, our church is a little messed up as well. Because we have a bunch of messed up people. Because all of us have a tendency to draw conclusions and label and play favorites. And you know, the thing that bothers me, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this a little bit later, is the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. You know what I'm talking about? Because that's when these certain people get in their congregation... And these certain groups of people get in their congregation. And we can even go beyond the races. We, 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 we get the Assemblies of God over here. We get the Baptists over here and the Methodists over here and the Presbyterians over here and the Catholics over here. And we label, we put labels on people that God never intended to be labeled. That's what we're going to talk about today. And, and some of y'all are going to get angry at me. All right. James chapter 2 verse 1. This is what it says. My dear brothers and sisters. As believers. Now let me just stop right here. James is setting us up on something. He is setting us up something big time. He says, dear brothers and sisters, as what? Believers in who? Our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. How can you claim to have faith if you favor some people over others? As believers, as Christians. He's not talking to outsiders here. He's not talking to people who aren't Christ followers. These are people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. These are people we call the church. In fact, let me give you the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And it means called out ones, separated ones. And what the church is supposed to be is believers in Jesus Christ who used to be not accepted by God, who used to be filthy and sinful in a broken relationship with God that Jesus Christ died for and now has made them acceptable so that they are now accepted by God. That's who the church is. And God gives us a different outlook and a perspective on life. So that we can now accept other people. That's who he's talking to. As believers, he says, dear brothers and sisters. He's not saying they're all related. This is not Arkansas. He's saying this. He's saying, brothers and sisters, since you believe in Jesus Christ, God is your father, that means we're all related. 
We're all related. Our believers in Lord Jesus Christ. You have become a Christian. You're a Christ follower. God has changed you. You've been accepted by God. And James is saying, you are totally accepted by God now. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that Jesus Christ has done. Because you are totally accepted by God, and now you're categorizing and labeling and breaking up the body of Christ and saying, no, 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 I don't like them because they're too fat. They're too skinny. They're too black. They're too white. They're too, they're too, they're too. You name it. And what God is saying through, through this chapter in James is Christians, you have a higher standard than God does. You have a higher standard than God. God has accepted you despite all of your irregularities, despite all of your bad habits, all of your sin, all of your junk, all of that mess. God has totally accepted us. And now you are going to break up and you're going to do this and you say, I'm not going to accept them based upon dumb, stupid things. I mean, think about it. What if God accepted you the way you accept others? Think about it. What if he accepted only people with a certain IQ? You had, to be, you, had to be, you had to be smart enough. And if you weren't smart enough, I'm sorry, you don't get salvation. Sorry. What if God only accepted people with have a certain amount of money? You got to have a certain amount of money in your bank account. Or you got to give a certain amount of money to God. I'm not going to accept anybody else unless you do this. He could do that. Or what if... What if He says, no, I'm going to accept a certain race. I'm going to accept a certain people group. In fact, it looked like there for a while, that's what he was going to do because he was only, it seems like he was only accepting the Jews, (laughs) but he didn't. In fact, we're getting ready to come into Christmas. And one of the things I I, I love in in Luke chapter two, it says the angel show up to the shepherds. He says, I have glad tidings for all people for unto you in the city of David is born a savior. To everyone who's Christ the King. Everyone. You know what James is saying? James says, you know, you folks in the church, without meaning to, without having intentions to, you have split yourself up, you've segmented yourself, you've set up categories that God doesn't even recognize, and you have a higher standard on other people than even God does. When they're scratching their heads going, really? I never even thought of it like that. He continues, he gives an illustration. James chapter 2 verse 2 says... For example, so he illustrates it. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. Somebody shows up driving a certain, driving a Lexus chariot. Driving a certain, has the bling on. And then, look at this, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. Now, James is going to give us the definition of favoritism here. Look at this. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there. That's favoritism. It's not saying somebody, hey, we want to honor you. That's not it. Nothing wrong with that. But you're saying, I'm going to honor one group and I'm going to dishonor the other one. You know, one of the things that we do in our strategy here at One Church is we do everything on Sunday morning with the guest in mind because we hope, we pray, we do everything on the stage when you come in because we know we're praying that God is going to bring us some people who've never been to church before, people who've maybe been out of church for 8, 10, 15 years. And we want to let them know that 
they are guests. They are on, they are special. So there's nothing wrong with honoring people. But what the problem, where favoritism comes is, is when you honor one group of people and then you have another group of people and you say, no, we don't want your kind here. You're not welcome. And dishonoring another one. That's what he's talking about. Now, the problem of this illustration that James gives is none of us really have a tendency to do this today. We don't dishonor the poor or honor the rich most of the times, right? I mean, that's not something, that's not one of ours that we deal with. Now, we deal with other prejudices, other racism, other, other stuff like that, classism and all that. But we don't do that. See, what was happening is in that day, these churches were kind of small. And it was struggling because times were tough. And this person came in and they looked good. I mean, they had the Rolexes on. They had the jewelry on. They came in and there's nothing wrong with any of that. They came in and they were like, uh-huh, looky here. That person, they might be able to do this. They could come in and they could give this. And, you know, we were wanting to build this new wing. And we're wanting to get, you know, the, the new thing with the, with the stained glass or whatever. And, and they're, they're thinking not of that person as a person, somebody who Jesus loves. But they're thinking, I'm going to be able to get something out of that person. I can use their wealth. And let me tell you, just I'm going to stop right here. I mean, so many times churches... I mean, like, they do that. I talked about this in the, in the first service, and then somebody kind of put me to the test. I don't know what anybody in here gives, and I never want to know. You know the reason why? Because I don't want to see people in dollar figures. God sees you as somebody who wants a relationship with God and who longs to have that relationship. He longs to have that relationship with you. But we, you know, I just, I don't ever want to, so sometimes, sometimes people say, hey, Chris, I missed the offering bucket. Can you put my offering in? I'm like, you know, find somebody else or, you know, put it in an envelope, something I just don't want. Because I don't, we are all tempted to label people and categorize people. And God says, you know what? Don't see people from what you can get from them. You see people the way I see people. That's the whole point of today's talk today. Man, let's keep on going. He says, you place value on people that God doesn't even see. You place value on people based on something God doesn't even recognize. And you accept other people on appearance and reject other people on appearance. That's what he's saying. James 2, 4. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? James is saying, hey, church, all the Christians, all the Christ followers... Y'all remember that time when you were far apart from God and because of all of your junk and your spiritual just nastiness and you just wanted to go your way and do your own thing and you were separated from God? You remember that time when God didn't accept you because of your stuff? But Jesus Christ, he comes in, he dies on the cross for you and for me. And because of what Jesus has done, we're totally accepted. You remember that time? And then somebody comes in and because they don't look a certain part or act a certain part or because they don't wear a tie, because they don't, you know, that whatever, that you say, you know, I don't accept them. And we have a tendency to break them up in rich, poor, black, white. Jews, Gentiles, Republicans, Democrats, Baptists, Methodists, and God says, no, I call them as one. When we started One Church two years ago, the verse that was going through my mind in my prayer for this church was Jesus' prayer in John 17, verse 21. This is what Jesus is praying for you and me. 
And listen to how Jesus describes God's people. I pray, Jesus talking, that they will all be, what? Let's say that one more time, that they will all be just as you and I are. Just as God the Father and God the Son are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and that they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You see, I think maybe the reason why the world doesn't believe us is because we have a tendency to categorize and label and break ourselves up. God says, I went to great lengths to make all of y'all one. And then you go, nope, nope, nope. You got to do this and that. We put labels in this. And we, we put, oh, it just, it frustrates me. I mean, some of my background, and it's it just, this is what makes me so passionate about this passage. Because I just, I get so frustrated. So many times we say, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry, because it, this is not the denomination that we're a part of. We can't support that ministry. And James is going, what? Yep, yeah, because it's not. Methodist, because it's not Baptist, because it's not Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopal. And James is going, time out. Show me where all that stuff is in the Bible. And the dude says, well, John, wasn't he a Baptist? And Jesus, he was a Nazarene, right? No. You see, we have a tendency to categorize and break up the body of Christ... When God says, no, I created you to be one. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. Well, you know, they believe different than we do. And you know what? You're right. And let me tell you, let's just take a, this is not in my notes, so I'm, it's a little scary right here right now. There are some things that we have to hold close-fisted that cannot change. Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. Cannot change. The Bible is perfect. Cannot change. Jesus was born of a virgin. Cannot change. There are other things, though, that we don't hold closed-fisted, that we don't fight about. How to read and understand the book of Revelation. Speaking in tongues. Some of y'all going, what's that? It's all right. All right? Um, You know, there are certain things that we should not fight about. And see, if you look at most denominations, oh, how to baptize. Well, should it be immersion or should it be sprinkling? <laughs> well, you know, I believe the Bible says what baptism is. I have a belief on that, just like I have a belief on how to understand Revelation and how to, what, speaking in tongues. I have a beliefs on all of that, but I'm not going to fight about that stuff. Because there's something more important, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the focus, not Baptist, not Methodist, not Lutheran, not Catholic, not Protestant, not Democrats, not Republicans. Jesus is the focus. That is what it's all about. That's what life is about. That is what our goal is moving towards. And we have a tendency to say, I'm sorry. Again, I've heard people say, well, again, (laughs) you know, because, I'm sorry, you're not wearing a shirt and tie. You're, you're, you know, you should be wearing God's best. Really? Or, you know what, um, I'm sorry, you have tattoos. God doesn't like that. Or, I've been around tattooed people. I'm sorry, you don't have tattoos. All right? I mean, it goes both ways, right? I mean, some older folks can say, and again, if I'm not maybe talking about you. But I've been around older folks that say, you know what, I just don't like young people. But I've also been around young people that say, I don't like old people. 
And God is saying, you're all wrong. You've missed the boat. It's not about denominations, a shirt and tie, or tattoos, or voting for this party, or some people, it's, it's racism. You know, when I, when I was living in, in Dallas, Texas, I was involved in a very large ministry. Um, and uh, uh, it was a, a church of about 6,000. It was predominantly an African-American church. And Tony Evans was the pastor, and I was involved in his ministry. Loved it. But I remember so many people, when you go in, and it goes both ways. You can go into an African-American church, and you don't look like them. They can look at you weird. But if you can be an African-American and go into an Caucasian church, and they look at you kind of weird. And it's like God's going, that's not what my focus is. It's not about red or yellow, black or white. It's about Jesus Christ. You know, um, great story of the Bible that talks about this in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Um, God talks to Samuel. He's a prophet. He represents God. And God tells Samuel, hey, listen, we're going to pick a new leader for the entire nation of Israel. They already had a leader, by the way. His name was Saul. Terrible leader. Awful. And how Saul got to be the leader is everybody looked at Saul and he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He had the physique. He had the appearance of a leader. He looked good. He kind of looked like me. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he was molded and shaped. All right? And the people chose Saul because he looked good and he looked like a leader. And they chose and they made the wrong choice because he was awful, awful, terrible. He kept on disobeying God. So God says, I'm done with Saul. We're going to choose a new leader, Samuel. So God tells Samuel to go to this large family. Um, the house was named Jesse. The guy's name was Jesse. So they went and they interviewed. He says, you're going to go and you're going to look at all of his sons. And I'm going to tell you which son is going to be king. So they have these eight sons, they come out, and this is what it says in 1 Samuel 16, 6. When they arrived, Samuel looked, uh, took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Samuel says, uh-huh, this dude looks the part. This dude looks awesome. I mean, he looks good. He's got that chin bone and, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he just looks great. This is it. He's got the strength. He's got the physique. He's got the appearance. This is the man. You know what? You know what God said to Samuel? Listen. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or by his height. You see, we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We judge by appearance or height. But look what it says. For I have rejected him. God says, you know what? You're looking at the outward signs and y'all have already made that mistake once. So I'm going to keep you from making that mistake twice. You're looking, you're seeing, oh, this is the dude. God says, no, no, no. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Do you know that? The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. See, we have a tendency to see, oh, this, you know, he's fat, skinny, tall, short, you know, you know, black, white, all the stuff. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. What does the Lord 
look at? What, what, what does God focus on? He doesn't focus what's on the outside. He doesn't focus on your skin. He doesn't focus on your clothes. He doesn't focus on any of that stuff. He doesn't focus on your bank account. He doesn't focus whether you have facial hair or not. He doesn't focus on whether you're fat, big, thin, short, tall. He doesn't focus on any of that. He focuses on your heart. And he says this. The way God looks at people, you need to look at people that way. Don't see the outward shell. Get to know them for who they really are. Get to know them for their heart. That's what matters to God. And he's saying that is what should matter to God's people. Verse 4, James chapter 2. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? He's saying you become judges. And James and you would probably say, no, we've not judged people. No, we're not judges. But really, we have. What does it mean to judge? It means to draw a conclusion about somebody. To draw a conclusion about somebody. You've looked at the evidence, as shallow as it is, and you've been drawn to a conclusion, and you've labeled that person. That person is guilty of being too, and you put in the blank. Too stuck on themselves, too vain, too pretty, too ugly, too handsome. To what? He says, no, guilty. You have, you have said, you've drawn a conclusion, you are judging with evil, evil motives. And what he's saying is, you're trying to figure out how can you get yours from them. And all of us have done this. How many of y'all are employed? All right? You, you get around the boss, what do you do? Can I do that in church? Really? We have a tendency to suck up, right? We have a tendency, oh, you know what? If I, if I show them that they're nice, if I'm able to say, hey, you know, that I might be able to get my promotion, right? God says, wrong. That is wrong. See people the way I see them, not from what you can just get from them. He's saying, no, you're basing, you're categorizing, you're label, labeling people on stuff that God doesn't even recognize. And you even have a higher standard than God. At the end of verse 4, James gives us the root of favoritism and it's the evil motives. We, our motives are evil. And sometimes we do good things, but we have bad motives. And God says, no, people can judge the stuff that you do. I'm going to judge your heart because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He's going to judge our motives. He says, you know, you are totally accepted by God. You need to accept others. James is saying, if you want to know spiritually how you measure up, And that's really what we've been talking about in the book of James. How far moving those chains, moving forward in your spiritual walk. If you want to know just how spiritual you are, how do you view other people? How do you view other races? How do you view other people who aren't like you? In verse 5, James tells us what God truly values. James tells us the type of person God truly values. Before we get there, I just want to say this. Some of you, again, and maybe this is your first time coming back to church. Again, welcome. But maybe you left churches because of just of attitudes and favoritism and prejudice and all that stuff. And I have been there as well. I've left churches just like that as well. And, and I want to say this. No church is perfect. This one is not. You think it's perfect, hang around next Sunday, you'll realize it's not. All right? Or you probably won't even take that long. Wait to the end of the service, right? I mean, we're not perfect. But one of the things I think that people have a tendency and we have no taste for. 
is when we say, okay, you say you're accepted by God, but you're not going to accept anyone else who isn't cut from your swatch or your cloth or your skin color or your financial or your rank. Or you just put, you just put it in there. Well, however it works for you. Evil motives. Our big idea is this. It is sinful. Everybody say that word. Sinful to value or devalue others on something that God does not value. It is sinful. Some of you are going, well, you never thought that. You never, it's just a preference. It's what my mama told me. My mama said, these group of people are like this, and that's how it is. Well, when you become a Christ follower, you listen to somebody just beside your mother. You listen to your heavenly father. And he gives us a new perspective and way of viewing people. That's his whole point. Now, verse 5. Let's look at the type of people that God values. That's what it is. That's what it says. Verse 5. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who loved him? James is saying, you value, you're valuing the wrong person. You're valuing the wrong thing. The very people you're dishonoring are the people God honors. And why? Why, does God honor, why is God honored more by the faith of a poor person than by a rich person? And this is the answer. Listen to this. This, this is going to rock your socks off. The reason why God is valued, he values the faith of a poor person rather than the rich is this. Because it's difficult to maintain faith in a good God when life isn't good. It is difficult to maintain faith in a good God when life isn't good. Now the rich thing, rich poor thing may not be, may not be your thing today. But some of you, God is valuing your faith more than the healthy because you're sick and you've prayed, God, please remove this, please remove this. And he doesn't seem like he's answering your prayer, but he values your faith because that's what he values. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what he is interested in. And he's saying, you know what? I value your faith because it's hard to have faith in a good God when times aren't good. Some of you, it's not the rich, poor. It's not the sick, well. Is that you have been praying for years that God would bring back your son or your daughter who's just turned away from you and God. And it, they've not done it yet. Or maybe your spouse who is wanting to go their own way and you're praying for them, God, please save my marriage. Please save my marriage. And it doesn't seem like God's coming through. But yet you continue to have faith in a good God even when life isn't good. That's what God values is our faith. It's our faith. You know why some people don't trust God as much anymore? I think the reason why many of us, we don't see God's hand at work as greatly anymore is because we have a tendency to trust MasterCard more than God. We have a tendency to put our faith in Visa or American Express more than God. And you're thinking, nah, that's dumb. All right, let me ask you a question. Last time, when is the last time something has broke in your life? It may have been your car, it may have, radiator may have blown up, something happened. Who did you turn to? Did you... Did you pray to God and say, God, I need you to fix this. I'm waiting on you to fix this. Or did you say, hey, listen, here's my MasterCard. I just paid it down so that you can fill it back up. Or here is my, you know, the thing, when you're poor, you don't have a MasterCard. 
Or maybe you did, but the bank took it away. All right? And when something breaks, you have nowhere else to go but to God. And see, some of you, and I I want you to hear me clearly, it's not that God is saying he's against the rich. He's not. If he was against the rich, he would be against all of us because we live in America and we are filthy rich. Some of you are going, I'm not rich. How many of y'all have a roof over your head? All right, you're rich. See, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks when we look, we, we compare ourselves with the rest of the world. Even though you may not be making a lot, I promise you, you're in the top 10% of the entire world population. You see, it's not a rich, poor thing. It's not a black or white thing. It's not a Presbyterian Baptist thing. It's not a Catholic Protestant. It's not a fat, skinny. It's not, it's a Jesus thing. And God says, I value everybody, not based on money, not based on race, not based on denomination, not based on anything except do they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what gets me excited. All right, I'm going to keep on going. You're going to get me preaching. Verse, verse 6, but you dishonor the poor. You've insulted the very people that God honors the most. Isn't the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Are they the ones that slander Jesus Christ in the name you bear? Now, what are you saying back in that culture 2,000 years ago? How the, the system worked, how the government worked, is if you didn't have money, you were not going to get a fair trial. You had to bribe somebody, and it was a group of people, it was the very wealthy, who owned and had influence over everything. He's not saying it's bad to be rich, because God is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, what the psalm says. So it's not that. He says, no, no, no. You're valuing the wrong people. But, you know, think about it. The truth is, rich, poor is probably not what gets us tripped up. I made a list of what gets us tripped up. Rich people. Some people just don't like rich people. Well, how many people do they have to walk over to get that money? Some people don't like poor people. Well, they're lazy. That's the reason they're poor, right? I mean, that's that's what they think. Some people don't like fat people. Must be lazy. Must be a sloth. Some people don't like skinny people. Some people don't like black people. Some people don't like white people. Some people don't like oriental people. Some people don't like divorced people. Others don't like single moms. Some people don't like old people. Some people don't like young people. Some women don't like stay-at-home moms. Well, what else could she do, right? Got no, just has to stay at home. She's got no skills. Some stay-at-home moms don't like working moms. Well, they really don't love their children, or they would stay at home. Some people have no respect for people who send their kids to public school. Say, no, homeschooling is the only way. That's what Jesus said. Really? Some people who send their kids to public schools don't respect people who only do homeschooling because that's what Jesus said. Really? You know, some people don't, some ladies don't like younger ladies because it reminds them of what they used to be. Some younger ladies don't like older ladies because it reminds them of what they're going to become. <laughs> some ladies don't like ladies who have plastic surgery. Some people don't like people with ink. Some people don't like people 
with bad taste, who have bad fashion. And I wonder if God is up in heaven scratching his head going, really, bad fashion? Bad fashion, huh? So you're telling me, let me, let me get this straight, God's saying, you were dead in all of your sinfulness, and I come and accepted you with all your junk, all your dysfunction, and you're going to say you don't accept people because they have bad taste? Maybe I should have bad taste. Maybe that's what God thinks. Because if God accepted us on bad taste, none of us would get in. Because Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were all in bad taste. Now, I think God just gets so frustrated because he makes us all into one, and then we chop ourselves up and break ourselves up. And we hold other people to a higher standard that even God doesn't hold us to. Now, God gives us the solution in verse 5 of James chapter 2. And here's the solution. Here's what I'm glad the solution is not. i got to like everybody. The, the solution, you just got to buck it up. you got to like people. That's not what God says. Verse 5. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Now, what's the royal law? Let's all say it. Yep. Love your neighbor as yourself. James says this is a simple solution, guys. Time out. Simple solution. I want you to treat other people the way you would want to be treated. I want you to love that person the way you would want to be loved. I want you to accept that person the way you would want to be accepted. I want you to forgive that person the way you would want to be forgiven. And I want you... To think, if that person was me, and if I was treating them like I was treating me, would I enjoy that? Would I like that? See yourself in them instead of seeing a label. That's what he's saying. See yourself instead of seeing the preference. Now, you notice he calls love a law. Now, that kind of trips some of us up because we think, no, love's a feeling. No. <clears throat> love is not a feeling. Love is a commandment. In fact, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He makes it very concrete, but we kind of, oh, I love this, and I have this feeling for this, and I used to love my wife, but I don't love her anymore, so I'm going to get a divorce, right? Because I fell out of love, and I fall into love. We kind of, it's like falling into a ditch, right? That's not how love is. Love is saying, you know, Jesus says, I, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't have, oh, look at y'all. Y'all are so special. Look at, they're just, they have their Sunday best on and they look so good and they're dressed up. No, he saw you on the worst Friday night of your life, hungover, needles out of your arm, one night stand, on a road of just death and destruction. He says, no, that's when I chose you. That's when I chose to give my son for you. That's what he's talking about. He says, no, love is a law. It's a commandment. Verse 9. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a, what's that next word? Sin. That's exactly what it says. You are guilty of breaking the law. Go back to our big idea. It is sinful. It is sinful to value or devalue others based upon stuff that God doesn't even value. See, prejudice is a sin. Racism is a sin. It's not just how your mama brought you up. If it's black on black, white on white, white on black, black on white, it doesn't matter. It's all wrong. And it has no business in the church. 
I, man, again, not my notes. Um, I remember going, I used to tour with this Christian tour group, and I went out of 48 out of 50 states, toured with them for four years. Every night we were at a different place, different concert. And I remember going to Jackson, Mississippi, and to a very, very, very large, large, large church there that I'm not going to mention the name. Very large church. And I remember going in and I was, uh, um, I was on staff there and I, we were getting ready to set up. And they, the church provided us host families for us to stay at after we did the concert. We'd sleep. And uh, talking with a pastor and my friend Jerome Joyner, he played French horn. He's an African-American dude. Um, just a great, great fellow. He comes in and the pastor kind of stops talking and says, who is that? I said, well, that's, that's my friend Jerome. Um, he's on staff with me as well. He says, well, we don't take to his kind. And I remember looking at him in the face and I says, then you don't take to my kind. Because he is a brother in Christ. You know, I really feel like maybe the reason why so many people have been bumped out of church is because they see so much hate and racism in the church that should not be there. I remember um, uh, reading one of the works of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Dr. King said in his letters to a Birmingham jail, he is in jail in Birmingham, and he is writing to the white pastors in Birmingham. And he says, you say you love Jesus Christ, but you refuse to love me. Then maybe you don't love Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to get up off the sidelines and get in this fight. Because they will know that we are Christians by our right doctrine, right? They will know we are Christians because we looked apart, right? They will know we are Christians by our love. That is how they will know us. But that's many times not what comes across. Mm. I'm going to move on. Verse 10. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is guilty as a person who's broken all of the God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. He's saying, you know what? Race, this racism thing is just how it was taught, how it was brought up. It's my preference. It's just my business. God says, no, it's a sin. It's a sin just as bad as adultery or murder. Now, we all know those are sins, right? Yeah, those are sins. No, but he lumps prejudice, favoritism, racism, classism in a, in a place none of us want to be. He puts us with murderers and adulterers. And I think God, Jesus Christ, said, you know what? I'm going to give you two laws. There was Ten Commandments, and then the, some people added about 600 more, so there's now 610 commandments. And then Jesus came along and says, I'm going to take all those 610, and I'm going to, I'm going to wrap them up into two laws, two Love God, love people. And God, I wonder sometimes Jesus scratching his head saying, can you not get two right? Really? Okay, you don't have the ten. Can you not get two? Love God, love people. And you say you love God, but you don't love people, then you're really not loving God. You see, what it is, we need to call this what it is. It is a sin. Racism, prejudice, favoritism, discrimination, breaking up the body of Christ in little bitty segments is a sin. And I promise you, when you confess this to God, and some of you, before the band comes out, you just need to bow your head and you can say, God, I want to go forward in my spiritual walk, but I've got, I've got to come clean. 
Because I don't see people the way you see them. Teach me to see people the way you see them. Not in the outward appearance, but teach me to get to know them for who they really are. To see their heart. Confess. Verse 12. Last two verses. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. He's saying, quit judging others because the way you judge people is the way you're going to be judged. He ends verse 13. There will be no mercy. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But you have been merciful. God will be merciful when he judges you. How many of y'all, be honest with me, I want to see a show of hands. How many of y'all would like for God to give you grace, to show you grace? Anyone? Cool, very good. You can put them down. How many of y'all, when um, you get to heaven, how many of y'all want God, want God's, he want, he, you just want him to show you forgiveness? Anyone? Cool, very good. You can put them down. How many of y'all, you want God to show you love? Keep your hands up. Then God is saying, you show that same love, forgiveness, mercy, and acceptance to other people. Everybody. So my question is, how many of y'all are going to apply this message and love people the way you want to be loved? Let's do it. Let's do it, folks. The time is now that we have to stop seeing people the way other people see people and see, see them for the way God sees them. For that is what really matters. I'm so thankful that God didn't look upon me and say, you know what, Chris? You're too white. You're too fat. You, you walk funny. You whatever. God saw me as someone who needed a relationship with him. He says, Chris, if you want a relationship with me, I've already made it so that you can have it. I've already, made, I've already made it so that you can be accepted. Embrace Jesus. He is the only way. Let's pray. God, what a hard message. What a, just a very poignant message, Lord. But I think all of us need to be reminded of it. That all of us have a tendency to be able to gravitate towards one group of people and shun another. And some people say it's natural. Some people say it's a tendency. But I'm so thankful, God, that you didn't do that with me. That you have accepted me based solely on what your son did. I did not even anything for what I've done, but for what... He has done for me. While we were yet sinners, you died for me. Lord, if there's anyone here that they don't have that acceptance, they feel so far away from you, God, right now. When I pray, Lord, that they would just be able to ask Jesus to accept them based solely on your son. And Lord, for all of us, you see all of the labels and all the categories. My prayer, Jesus Christ, is that you would make us one. That you would allow us to see your people and your children as one. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.